Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to a Mouse Clubhouse conversation. Hi everyone, this is Scott Wolf, and this interview is with Ray Templin. Ray spent more than 20 years performing in Disneyland. If you visited the park anytime between 1979 and 2005, you might have seen Ray in the Disneyland band, the Delta Ramblers, or the Straw Hatters, or even playing ragtime piano at Refreshment Corner. Ray is also heard in some of the Fantasyland rides. He's the voice of Stromboli and Pinocchio, and the circus ringmaster narrator aboard the Casey Jr. Circus Train. In this conversation from 2010, I began by asking Ray about how he went from playing piano at Shakey's Pizza Parlor to performing at Disneyland. Here's Ray Templin. The guys in Chicago also mentioned to me, you, you ought to call Disneyland because they employ a lot of musicians and you might get on a sub list or something out there. And I kind of put that off and, and, and I had never been to Disneyland. Really? Ever. We used to watch it on TV, you know, growing up uh, in, the, in the 50s and 60s. Sure. And we didn't take those kinds of vacations. So it was just one of those places I, I didn't think I'd ever get to. Wow. Yeah. And so I called up and they said, well, I talked to Nancy Eskew, who was uh, oh, okay. Sonny's assistant back then. She says, well, we're not looking for anyone right now. I kind of said what I did over the phone, but do you have a picture and a resume? And of course, yeah. And I sent it in and, and filled in a bunch of extra info about the music I had, people I'd been working with and bands and stuff in the Chicago area. And about a week later, she calls up and she said, this looks really interesting. Would you mind coming down and, and playing? And I said, no, not at all. And back, they were dark Mondays and Tuesdays in those days. Wow. This is 1979. <laughs> And um, and so I drove down there, never been there before, come in through the ad building and stuff, and uh, um, Mike Davis then was uh, Sonny's assistant. And he he was the guy I met, and he brought me out, and they were auditioning all kinds of things over at the, uh, the um, space stage, the Tomorrowland oh, stage. Auditioning there. There, yeah. So on a Monday or Tuesday because it's closed. But anyway, um, they didn't have a piano there, so when it was my turn, uh, Sonny and Mike walked me out onto Main Street. Took the cover off the piano at uh, Coke Corner. Yeah, I guess it's or official. It, it's but... officially refreshment corner, but to us, it's all Coke right. Corner. You know, I had no idea what they were looking for, so um, they just opened the piano, and and um, so I played and sang a tune, and you know, and and they were kind of you know smiley, and and Sonny said, "Can you play the black and white rag?" And I said, "Yeah," which is one of the few rags I play, but I happen to know it. And I started playing it, and he walked over and closed the cover. Right, I had to pull my hands out because he slammed the cover down. And I thought, "Well, that's the end of that," you know. And he says, "When can you start?" <laughs> it was that summer, summer of '79. So I became like the third wheel. I was taking the odd shifts. Uh, Judy Carmichael was playing there at the time. Really? Yeah, she was there. Rod Miller, uh, of course. And and then I was picking up the odd times because they were open around the clock during the summer. And I'll never forget the two of them said, we've got these grad nights coming up. And I said, oh, what are those? Yeah. And they said, well, if you want, you can play them, you know, because, uh, you know, we're going to be busy and, and you can have all of them if you want them. And I'm, t I'm saying yes to everything at this point oh, in my, my life, God. you know. Sure. Well, they, I didn't know that the, the shift is like 11 at night until 6 a.m. <laughs> you know, really they closed the park. 
right. you know, kind of flushed it out a little bit, yeah. got rid of all the guests, right. and then all the school buses came. So it, it, it started like 10.30 or something like that, 11 o'clock. Okay. And of course, there's no high school kids in their right mind want to stand and listen to ragtime piano at that time. They want to find the darkest corner, yeah. you, you know, that kind of thing. So it was really boring, because I'm playing there and all these people are rushing by. And, oh. you know, and I thought, now I see why they offered me this thing. Yeah. yeah. But and then the summer was over, and they said goodbye, oh. Be because the other two had the shifts covered, oh. and I thought I was in, but then I was out. So it's back to Shakey's in Burbank, and yeah. So then I'm back out on the street again, and um, uh, Bruce Healy, who you know, was um, oh, and then there's John Luden and uh, Wayne Katz and Ken Sabornak. Um He wrote a little a going away party for a guy named Judd Donaut who was a staff arranger, music arranger there, and was retiring. And Bruce was in line to take that position. Bruce had been playing bass drum and percussion with the Disneyland band. Okay. Judd was a staff arranger, and oh, Bruce oh. became uh, his, his uh, replacement okay, yeah, when he yeah, retired. Yeah. So there was a lot of things going on at the same time, and I had, uh, I had met John Luden, and, uh, and he said, we did a retirement party for Judd. Okay. And nobody knew me, so they thought it would be funny if if I walked in, just broke up this, and it was upstairs at the um, uh, America Sings building. Okay. I still call it that. Yeah. We, they had all those. That's where the music music department and library was up on those offices up on top. Okay. So they're having this, they're throwing this going away party, and, they, and Luden thought it'd be funny if um, if I come in, just in, interrupt this thing, not, not wanting to disrupt anything, but uh, excuse me, uh, but where's my, where's my desk? And I was going to be the replacement, you know. <laughs> and I came in with all sorts of you know music and dropped it all over the place, and and then we wrote some strange things about cleaning out his desk. Oh my, what's this? You know that kind of thing. And Wayne and and uh, Zabornak were um, were like they had coveralls on, but they also had these goon puppets. And they only spoke through the puppets, so they were the they were the muscle that was going to help me move on. You know, it was kind of surrealistic yeah. there. But everybody—that's how I was introduced to everybody in the music department. They had, yeah, I had gone in and done that, the Judd thing, and then left. So back to Shakey's and all but that you, kind so of you stuff. So you were not working. I wasn't working there. They they just pulled me in to do okay. that, and. Um, I get a call one day, this, this uh, happy birthday 25th Disneyland thing. was. They had a piano player who was on a cruise. Could I come in and play uh, rehearsals this week? Hmm. And I thought, work is work. Yeah. And I went in, and there was a guy named Sonny Helmer, who was an old, okay, old friend of uh, Sonny Anderson's, and a guy named uh, Rich Watson, a drummer. It was hmm. a trio. And so much of the music wasn't written for this thing. It was just a lot of ad-lib things. They had written um, lyrics to no, Disney tunes and, you know, just changed things around. And, and, um, and so it was a pretty easy thing to get through. And they had choreography. They worked in all the characters, you know, that they could get a hold of at that time. And that's what it was, a primarily character show. And so I rehearsed a week, and then they called the next week. Mike Davis called up and said, um, can you come in and do this week? We still don't have uh, our hands on this guy, you know. I said, well, okay, I'm there. And then it came down to, can you, the show was opening on a weekend, can you, can you open the show? And I said, you know, I've done all the rehearsals, and I think if, if, if I'm going to open the show, I should be the guy. And then it, then it went, Mike's famous thing, I'll have to bounce that off of Sonny. <laughs> you know? And, okay, I got a call back, okay, but Sonny wants to come down. He's not okay, he wants to see you do it. 
And so we opened the show at Plaza Gardens, and the first show, which they always do that there, they never give you a chance to warm up anything. That's, I'm kind of complaining here, but this has been my whole career there. The very first time you set foot out with something new, they're all there, you know, yeah. And so, and I see Sonny, and I didn't know who everybody else was. This is Ron Logan, all those guys were there. And, uh, and so we play the show, and I see Sonny walk away, like after about 10 minutes, and it's like a 20, 25 minute show. And I'm like, okay, you know. And we get backstage, and Mike comes back, and, and he says, uh, Sonny says, you're, you're in. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I guess, at least you didn't slam the thing on your fingers. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So that was great. So then I became permanent, because that was a five-day, uh, it might have been six days. I think we work six days a week in the summer. And what show was this? It's called the Happy 25th Anniversary Disneyland Character Show. Wow, okay. Which and is probably is another reason why nobody... Show. Carnation, yeah. And that's with the uh, you know the thumper rabbit coming out of the piano and the trio and all kinds of zaniness going on with the characters, wow. yeah. And we did that for 10, 11 months. And during that time, Bruce made that switch up to the uh, uh, arranging department. Okay. And um, Stan was auditioning uh, percussionists because Bruce played some piano, but it was mostly percussion. Bass drum, of course, walk around on the street when they marched. But on the Plaza Gardens concerts and stuff, timpani, orchestra bells, you know, that kind of thing, and a little bit of piano playing. And uh, so they were, so Stan called me up and he says, hey, he says, uh, we need a guy to walk around with a bass drum here, you know, are you interested? And I said, well, uh, yeah. Now was Stan doing, was he the... He was leading the band. Okay, uh, that's uh, what he was doing. Disney band, okay, yeah. Okay. So, so I was just subbing while they were looking for uh, percussion, the percussionist they never found. Wow. Yeah. And what were you doing in that band? That was marching. That was the the Disneyland band. band. So I would I would come in and wear the bass drum. And you would go up and down Main Street, and then did you also do like the Town Square? Sit down, yeah. The Souza Light Classics, yeah. the Disney medleys, and yeah. stuff. They'd do a stand up in front of the castle. They'd go play on the prow the front of the Mark Twain. Okay. That's how the day went. You'd maybe do two of those, march down the street, and sit down. And play, and then then go. Uh, we played at the entrance to the old Tomorrowland. We did a thing there, and then we'd be over in front of the castle, and then it was lunch or something. And then a couple of times around on the Mark Twain in the front of the Twain. Oh, on the boat? Yeah, we'd oh, play, wow. set up right in the front. They had the chairs set up. Oh, I've seen pictures. Oh, yeah. Oh, how neat. Yeah. Did you enjoy that? It was very fun. It yeah. Like it would be fun. Very fun. It was an interesting bunch of guys. I have to tell you this. Um, they wouldn't talk to me. You know, it's a it's a family. That thing's been there since opening day, and a lot of those guys, Warren Gale started six months, one of the lead trumpet players, who I just visited with uh, last month out in Tucson. Um, he had been there, started six months after the place opened. So many of these guys at, at that point had been there 17, 20 years, you know. And so here comes the new kid. I'm like 32 years old or something like that. And bands, traditionally, the new guys usually, you know, kind of on the outs for a while, you know. And they wouldn't, they, they kind of, they were okay, but they wouldn't go out of their way to be nice to me or anything. And so we're playing, we're sitting in Town Square. Joe Shaw, the snare drummer, who had been there, I don't know, maybe about three years at that point. There's a tuba solo comes up for Bob Burstein, the tuba player. And Joe says, pull his music off the stand. There's three of us across the back there. 
<laughs> and this I said, pull this music. I said, oh, you know, I don't even know these guys. And I said, what? He says, do something. Spin the music around or something. I said, what? He says, well, Bruce used to do that because this is a tuba solo, you know. And so you mess with him, you know. I, I don't. I'm, so, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, it was a Teddy Bear's Picnic was the tune. Another song. <laughs> yeah, little intro and then boop 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 boop. You know, right. nice tuba thing. Okay. So. Couple of days, and we would have the same book for a week, you know, and then they would change all the music in it. So that came up maybe a couple more times that week. And every time that tune came up, Joe said, Would you do something? And finally, this one time, he said, Do something to the music. And I used to smoke in those days. And as soon as Bob started playing, I reached in my pocket and pulled out my cigarette lighter and lit the corner of the music. Oh, no! <laughs> well, I wasn't in the band then, yeah. you know, I was just, just subbing. And I was just having fun with that. I was pulling rubber chickens out of the piano and all kind. You know, whenever there's a solo, I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how long this is going to last, but I'm just going to ha yeah. have a good time yeah. with it. You know? oh, <laughs> and of course, Burstein at that time had played that so much he's he's got it memorized, <laughs> which is why Bruce could take the. Th it didn't make any difference. And he's looking at some. He's over at Lincoln Theater. He's looking at something going on. And by the time he turns back, the whole side of the music is in flames. Oh, and he, he stops playing and he hits the thing and it goes out, but all the smoke is coming up and that gets Stan's attention up there, you know. <laughs> and he's looking and, and the band's still going away. Joe can hardly play now because he told me to do something and that's what I came up with, you know. And uh, it, the wind caught it and it got on again. And, you know, it was just one of those, you couldn't write stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, really. So the tune ends and, and somebody up front must have said, what's going on? And, and I heard Stan say, Templin just lit Burry's music on fire back there. I was in. Oh, that was that's that's, that's what did it, man. Yeah, I was. I could, I could. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> but they would. Stan would call once in a while and say, "Hey, we got a guy coming down, so don't bother to come in Thursday or something like that." Oh. You know, because they were auditioning people. Yeah. And finally, um, Ron Logan called me up. Actually, um, Sonny Anderson said, um, "You know, we, we're thinking." You know, we want to offer you this job, and and I didn't come out there to do that. I still want to be an actor and a voiceover guy. And I, I said, oh man, thanks a lot. You know, but I I'm really trying to go in another direction here, and this has been great fun. And, you know, and I finally Ron Logan called me up and at the house one night, he was the director of entertainment in those days there, and he says, Ray, he says I saw the band coming down the street the other day, and he says they were smiling. And he says I never see that band smiling. He says, all I can think of is you have something to do with that, and I want you to take the job. And my wife was kind of listening, and, and she, she, says, <laughs> she says, Ray, you can always quit, you know. Because sure, sure. I'm thinking, you know, and, and I'm thinking, yeah, you're right, you know. And so, so I said, yeah, and spent the, the rest of the time with those guys there. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. I learned so much and was so proud to just perform with those guys. Yeah. But it was just like a bunch of 10-year-olds most of the I mean, I, I, since I left there, my face doesn't hurt every morning before, <laughs> before 8 o'clock, you know? Yeah. Uh, and practical jokes and just yeah. craziness galore in that, you know, 16 guys in basically a big locker room with a, with a sh couple of showers and a toilet in there and a sink. Yeah. And that's, you know, you got to make that work. and. Yeah. Now, why did you end up leaving the band? Where did you go to from there? I, I didn't leave the band. Oh. In fact, I was still in the band when I retired, in quotes, you know, uh, what was that, almost four years ago now. Oh, you had been with the band all this time? Yeah. Wow. 20, I guess, five, 24 years. Really? Yeah. Doing drums? 
playing the bass drum and then I was the piano player. And it gradually, the arrangements gradually, this wonderful guy named Ken Whitcomb who had probably about 800 arrangements during his career at Disneyland that he'd written for that band, started de-emphasizing the uh, percussion aspect of it and emphasizing the, the piano end of it. So then I, was, I became more comfortable because, okay, now I, you know, and but it was, they just took you for whichever they needed, drum or piano, whatever was going to happen. When we went down, mostly it was a bass drum. March down the street, that, that was my thing, you know. And when we did the Plaza Gardens concerts or something like that, yeah. where there was a piano, it was a different, we weren't playing the marches and all, we were doing, doing more stage band kind of right. stuff, you know, big band things and, yeah, yeah that kind of stuff, yeah. yeah. So then I was a piano player. But in the afternoons then, they brought back what they used to call the breakdown groups that they weren't doing when I got there. We have um, Disneyland band in the morning, and there's maybe two or three groups within the band that go out and cover different oh. other areas of the park. And we, there was a, over the years, there was like a saxophone quintet. Right. Um, there was uh, that originally was part of the old Disneyland band, and when I got there, they weren't doing the breakdown groups, oh. and they fired that up again. Dixieland band over in New Orleans, you know, was right. was was part of that. They'd have a brass uh, quintet sometimes playing in. Uh, you know, just covering different areas. So yeah. it, that really kept it interesting, you sure. know, because it wasn't all just, especially for me, just walking around with the bass drum. But I always involved with some Dixieland band or something like that. Or I just, they'd send me go play solo piano on the Mark Twain, you know, in the afternoon. And then we'd all meet back together for the retreat ceremony to pull the flag okay. down at the end. That was the end of our day. And then the live band there. Yeah. Wow. Well, they, back in those days, they, not only the live band, but they had they, a Dove release at the end of the national really? anthem and stuff. Yeah, oh, I it, never knew that. it was real touching. Yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. So that's how we ended the day. Yeah. I just found a picture of Stan actually leading the band, mm -hmm. and uh, it was an ambassador ceremony. So did you do that kind of stuff, like sitting in front of the? We would do those. That's we must have had a hundred arrangements memorized. Wow. So something would come up. We used to play the the window dedications. And we, they would even take us, we played, used to go up to the studio and play like the Disney Legends. We would do all kinds of stuff like that. I think the last one we did was the uh, Golden Horseshoe cast. And then Stan would like, uh, he had a lot of friends in the offices and things, or we'd find out somebody's retiring. And so uh, we'd get on a tram and uh, um, they'd be having somebody in the carpenter shop or something back after... 25, 30 years or something, we'd come blasting in there, you know, marching in, just interrupt the, you know, uh, Stan would put the leader hat on the guy, give him the, or gal, give her the baton, we'd, you know, uh, conduct the band, and they oh, just loved that. Sure. You know, they were just so amazed. And then out we'd go and go back out on our set and stuff. Sometimes you know. I think some of the best performances are the ones the public never got to see. There was always stuff like that. We'd really. through offices in the in the uh, in the ad building and stuff. You know, the sixteen piece band comes marching <laughs> through there. You know? <laughs> all, these, all these heads are popping up out of cubicles and stuff. You know, it must be loud too. But people love that. Sure. Who would think? You know. We hope you've enjoyed this Mouse Clubhouse conversation. Thank you for joining us.